0: It's the Hoffman Show final hour here on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Uh, We are streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. I'm out in Ashburn where earlier today, Dan Quinn was introduced as the new head coach of the Washington Commanders. We also now know both of his coordinators, uh, Joe Witt Jr., and, uh, Cliff Kingsbury will be the defensive and offensive coordinator that made official, uh, to talk about it all now from somewhere on, uh, the roads of Ashburn or perhaps his house down the road. Uh, it is my co-host for the Take Command podcast. Uh, my good friend, Logan Paulson. Uh, Logan, uh, busy day uh i know you got to talk to dan quinn uh on on something you guys taped for the commander's youtube page you've obviously known dan a long time what was it like to to see your guy today and uh and and what did you take out of the press conference and the conversation
1: yeah i mean i you know just it kind of took me back to when i was playing honestly just uh the, the way he speaks, the passion with he speaks, with, the vision that he has for the team and the organization, um, it got me kind of feeling like I wanted to put the pads on again, you know, and do some stuff. Um, you know, oh
0: man, block. you you can't say that. You're gonna have people begging you to be the third tight end and start blocking people again. You you you, uh, no, you, no, you I, know when you say stuff like that, people are gonna <laughs> jump on that.
1: I know, but I'm more speaking, yeah, I I can't physically do it anymore. I want to, but I can't physically do it anymore. Um, But, yeah, so, like, I think that was something that stuck out to me, just his vision. I love, like, I loved his awareness of, like, kind of the the pitfalls that came out of Atlanta, you know, understanding that he had stretched himself too thin, saying, you know, that's why I came here. We've got Adam for the personnel. I can be in my lane. He even said – I've brought these coordinators in because I have faith in them to execute their visions of the offense and the defense and I can oversee and build this culture and build the team the way that it needs and it deserves to be built. And again, like just a guy that I have the utmost respect for. You could you could feel his passion, you could feel the fact that he had constantly been learning, uh, you know, during his time as the coordinator in Dallas, which again, I think is just so special and speaks to the type of person that he is. So, I'm incredibly fired up. I know Fletch was really fired up. I got to watch the press conference with him, Santana and Fred, and they were all just you know, ecstatic. And I think you can feel that energy from him and all the players that I've talked to can feel that. You know? So uh, I'm really, really excited, and uh, I can't wait for the team to kind of meet him officially, and uh, I think they're going to just be super impressed with him.
0: What is that process like, by the way? Um that that is one thing I noticed today. There weren't any players at the press conference. Um I remember when Rivera was hired that there was, you know, Adrian Peterson was there, John Allen was there. Uh, you know, we've seen like Terry was there famously at the E V press conference last year, and part of that is just timing of when guys are in and out of town. So no one should take uh that mere pointing out of facts and say like Oh my god, these players uh they don't, you know, nobody nobody was there to support Dan Quinn. What does it mean? It, it probably just means they're on vacation. Um or or whatever it may be. But like what is that process like and what are the rules this time of year on players being able to actually talk to Dan Quinn and, and when will that those meetings really happen?
1: Yeah, you know, I think if they wanted to they could have come by. Obviously like you said, like it's more of a this is the off season. People are not around here. They're on vacation. They're working out someplace else. They're they're doing, they have appointments, they have lives, you know, this is kind of a last minute press conference scheduling and us, you know, media members, we're excited to go because this is our job, you know, to kind of go have these conversations. But I think, yeah, just players on around and I think Dan will probably start reaching out to people, like calling people on the phone. I remember, uh, you know, this never happened to me specifically because I wasn't like a big name or a captain on the team, but I'd have conversations with guys after a new coach came in. He's like, oh yeah, I talked to. You know, Jay for 15 minutes on the phone call the other day, and I got a feel for like what, you know, he just was telling me how excited he was or whatever. And I think something like that will probably happen. I mean, I just feel like there's so much going on. This process has happened so quickly. Um, but I know Dan and I know his priorities are the guys and are the players. So, you know, I think that's going to be a priority for him is to to reach out at some point or, or you know, uh, you know just have the, that open that line of communication and kind of just show what kind of coach he is as soon as and as early in the process as he possibly can.
0: Yeah, and as he mentioned uh, kind of at the end of the presser, like there are rules that – it was funny because he, he had kind of a – Uh, he misstated what he meant to say, which is, you know, rules which allow or disallow certain communication. Um, but he said that rules uh, he went like can be ignored or not, and I was like, no, that's not how that works. You, if there are rules, Dan, you have to follow them. Uh, but there there are very specific things you are and are allowed to talk about at this time in the calendar. Um, so that real introduction will happen. I I think like April when they get together. Uh, you know, for their first mini camp or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, when you hire a new coach, you get. Uh, newer, or you get like that new coach window of, of camps and stuff. So they'll he do does. all that kind of stuff. Later in the calendar. Um, I know a lot of people listening want to hear your opinion on Cliff Kingsbury. Um, you know, we've been talking about Dan as a prospect and then, uh, yeah, obviously the reality of Dan being the head coach, uh, on the podcast before, but Cliff Kingsbury is someone who's new to the commanders universe. I know you were watching a little bit of tape last night as all happened very quickly, but what are your early impressions on Cliff Kingsbury as an offensive coordinator in 2024 in the NFL and especially for this team?
1: Yeah, you know, I think I I was a little bit reluctant, you know, because he's got this reputation of kind of being a college guy, air quotes. And, you know, does he really understand that, like, you know, the air raid, there's a reason the air raid doesn't work in the NFL. Like, the hashes are closer, guys are faster. And I think the thing that happened when I turned on the film, I watched three games from 2021 just to kind of get a feel for the offense and a feel for the concepts. As I saw an offense that is kind of has its lineage in college football, you know, they've got wide They've got these wide bunches. They try to create all this space horizontally, which I think Dan did a good job of articulating in his press conference. And that does present problems for defenses. But the thing that I was really excited about is I felt like there were some creative ways of getting to that stuff. Hey, you know, we're going to run this, um, you know, three by one RPO ten times in this game. Can we get to it five different ways? And I thought they did a good job, at least in the games that I watched of doing that. I also thought he understood how to manipulate linebackers. Like there was a beautiful play action in the second game, week nine against the San Francisco 49ers, where they run like a single back power action from gun. They fake a bubble screen and they throw what essentially amounts to a drift in the hole that's vacated by the linebacker matching the pull and guard and the, uh, and the, and the nickels kind of attached to this like little smoke route. And I thought, you know, like this is a different way of getting to it, but this is essentially what, kyle shanahan does is he understands how to manipulate secondaries with spacing with splits with run action with backfield action and I, I you know again i came out of it relatively surprised pleasantly surprised that there was that level of detail and level of nuance to the passing game and again the run game is is somewhat you know compared to the detroit to the world compared to san francisco relatively simplistic but i do think that there is a an understanding of what's important in the run game. Hey, we got to create angles for this guy. So in the first game against San Francisco, week five in 2021, they're running a lot of counters, and because of how they've aligned their receivers and they've allocated their eligibles, they create good angles. So I'm like, you know, we don't have, you know, uh, you know, receivers going in and cracking linebackers like they do in San Fran, but we've done a good job of creating horizontal displacement in the defense, and by extension, creating line, uh, you know. Um, uh, angles to the second level for the offensive line. So I, I did come out of the film study and, you know, conversations I've had with uh, you know guys that have played from around the league and kind of saying, you know, I do think that there's more innovation here than people want to give him credit for. And I do think there's a willingness to run the football, uh, more of a willingness than people want to give him credit for. It, it's just going to look a little different and feel a little different than some of the other um, systems that you see around the NFL at the moment that are, you know, obviously the Kyle Shanahan tree and and the Ben Johnsons of the world. But I do think that there is something there, which again got me kind of excited, and saying, wow, this guy knows football and he know and he understands kind of the basics, which is manipulating space and finding easy opportunities for the quarterback, and then knowing and having a really good feel as a play caller. I thought for when and where to take shots. So lots of positive things to take away from. Is it going to look different? then, you know, maybe I think a lot of fans wanted it to look. Yeah, but it's still effective, I think, so.
0: Uh, Logan Paulson, of course, my co-host on Take Command, uh, with us here on the Hoffman Show. Uh, We'll talk more later in the week on Take Command about Logan's trip to the Senior Bowl last week. Crazy, because, you know, this draft is so important and we've spent so much time on it already, Uh, and then all this stuff happens and you were in Mobile, and then it's like... Hey guys, uh, do you guys ever want to do the, the senior bowl debrief podcast? We will later in the week. Uh, everyone, everyone stay patient right now, though. All eyes on the press conference today and the coordinator hiring. So here to combine those two, Logan, my big takeaway offensively from the press conference today and wh- the moment where I went, Oh, that's why he hired Cliff Kingsbury is he talked about the one of the words that he wants to have uh, describe this football team as explosive. And that's going to involve, like, vertical shots down the field. And then when he was asked about the current roster, he's like, you know, I love the interior, the D-line. We need to build up the lines. Interior is really important offensively and defensively. And the receiver position is really important, too. I like those guys. They create matchups, like – we can, we need to, to use those, uh, that really well. And I, and I think about like the problems last year offensively and, uh, especially I think of Terry's frustration where, you know, he straight up in post game press conferences was like, we need to throw the football down the field more. Like, just give me a chance. Yeah. And to me, if I'm Dan Quinn and I've got a guy like Terry, who's great contested catch, you know, four, three speed and is not being used vertically. And, you know, I I look at this draft and there's a bunch of big X receivers and uh, guys that can get down the field. You have Jahan Dotson, who's another four, three guy. De'Ami Brown is under contract, another four, three guy. Like the ability to get the ball down the field and them not doing it the last couple of years has been so mystifying. And you know, if nothing else, while all the other stuff you said about Cliff in the run game and Cliff doing this and Cliff doing that are true, Cliff Kingsbury is going to sling the football down the field. Like There's going yeah. to be some deep shots available. So to me, that's where that all came together. And I'm curious uh, in the film study and, and kind of what you've been hearing around the league, like that vertical element uh, to the passing game and how it fits with some of the personnel that's here and, and if that ties to any of the the top quarterbacks in this draft and and their skill sets.
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, you bring up a great point. There's certain guys, like certain offensive play callers, and you can tell what, like, their home base is, like where they feel really comfortable. Like, if they're kind of in a little bit of a rut, like what's the call they're going to? So, like, the classic Bill Callahan example is he's running 12 or 13 duo. Like, that's like like that's home base for him. That's where he feels most secure. And you can tell Cliff feels most secure in in the gun, we're spread out, we've got one back in the backfield, and we've got four wide outs, and we are trying to get down the field, you know, in a drop-back passing scenario. So don't get it twisted. Like, his offense is evolved and he's changed, but at his core, like, he is a pass-game guy who wants to be innovative in that space. So I definitely agree. I think, I think the one thing that Dan said, which I think is really important to kind of hear for football fans at home, is this idea that, A, uh, Cliff, under, Cliff in his offense understands how to create space because you got you know space players. You want to maximize their opportunities. You mentioned Terry. You mentioned Jahan. Obviously Diami Brown under contract, right? But I think that's one thing. And then also just defenses that give him a hard time. And that's oftentimes like you see like Kyle finds um, offense or finds defensive structures that give him a hard time, and he hires that defensive staff. I think when I remember when I was in San Francisco and we were prepping for games um, in, in, the, in the division, I talked to the defensive coordinator, saw and I was like, what's the hardest defense in the division to prep for? And he's like, by far, Arizona. Because of what they do, they go hurry up, they have these wide bunches, they get these guys out there quick, they've got the quarterback that can run. And I just thought, like, he just basically found something that gives defensive coordinators a really hard time and said, I want that here with me. Because I do think when you watch it, like you said, like, you know, he does all this innovative stuff, creating space, wants to push the football down the field. But I think the core tenet of the value add here from Cliff is understanding space and understanding space players and understanding how to get them the ball in those spaces. So I think that's something that I think is really going to be exciting to watch from a football innovation standpoint is how does Cliff get to, those, uh, get to, the, get to that space with the players that we have here in Washington and maximize those skill sets.
0: So that brings us to, uh, I would say, both forward to and back to the quarterback discussion, because he had Kyler in Arizona that he was building around. And, you know, he's in gun all the time. Uh, Cliff, you know, offensively, was in gun basically all the time. I wonder how much that that had to do with Kyler. Where he did use pistol um, quite a bit. And that was kind of his solution to take away some of the deficiencies of being in gun all the time. You know, we talked about that last year about how gun runs are 90% of the time going to opposite the side of the back and, and some of the other yeah. things angle wise that are really limiting from the gun. And, and I think you did a good job earlier of explaining how Cliff uh, does deal with some of that from the angle standpoint. But, you know, the pistol can be really, really helpful in dealing yeah. with some of those deficiencies. But also, like, you're not putting Kyler Murray under center. He's too small. And so right. I do wonder if, you know, a Jaden Daniels, a Caleb Williams, average or bigger than average size quarterbacks, obviously Drake Mays is, is a you know, he's a prototypical size quarterback. Like, I, I wonder, does this system have the ability to go under center, and could that then even plug some more holes in it where some of the play-action stuff becomes a bigger part in some of these things that would seem to be the next evolution for a Kingsbury offense if he chooses to go there?
1: No, I think that, that's a really good question. And I do think one of the things that I came out of the film study is basically saying this guy... Understands some of this offense's limitations and has grown the offense. And so I do think that's one thing that gets me kind of excited in addition to some other things, right? Obviously, there's reservations, but in terms of excitement, like one of the things that sticks out to me is like he's able to kind of tailor make positions and opportunities for guys. Like he understands talent. Like Dan Quinn in his press conference talked about how it's his job as a coach to find what the player does well and then, you know, maximize that in the context of the defense. And I felt like there were shades of that with Cliff, right? Hey, we got DeAndre Hopkins. He's a great contested catch guy. Let's give him these opportunities, you know? Um, you know, we've got Rondell Moore there who did, who was a great satellite space player. Let's get him those touches in satellite space opportunities. And I just and like here's Zach Ertz, a guy that can attack the seam with the best of them, maybe a Hall of Famer. Let's find a way to maximize those guys. And, you know, there were times, honestly, where Kyler's under center in that offense. And, again, like you said, you wouldn't think that's something you would do because he is so small. He used that tool to help maximize the offense for the rest of the playmakers, right? They Obviously, Tyler, Tyler's a prolific runner. They found ways to get him in the design quarterback run game, again, to maximize what they do offensively. So I just think there's a lot there in terms of him being somewhat flexible, not married totally to his scheme, because I think that's really what you're hiring here is a guy that has offensive foresight an offensive, and then an offensive innovation in his blood. And so that was kind of cool to see from that 2021 tape is just a guy who's willing to say hey i don't have all the answers like let's see if i can find some different opportunities to put these guys in better positions to be successful so that made me feel better about all three of those guys you mentioned you know like the the offense can somewhat be tailor-made and kind of fit to fit the skill sets of the guys at the top of this draft so you know if there is an opportunity to take one of those guys i think He's gonna he's gonna help maximize those guys, and I don't think it's a coincidence that he's got a history of of helping quarterbacks develop because he understands you know I w- understands when to take shots, when to deleverage the position. Now that deleveraging looks a little bit different, but he understands that at a high level, and I think he can maximize all three of those guys.
0: Logan Paulson with us here on the Hoffman Show, of course, the Take Command Podcast, your off season home. For everything, Commanders, Logan and I, giving that to you twice a week. Uh, although some people, Logan, will be hearing this not as we are right now because we're going to take this interview and put it in the Take Command feed uh, as <laughs> soon as we're done talking. Uh So if you're listening to it there, thanks for subscribing. Uh All right, uh, you mentioned there are reservations, uh and, and I certainly share some of those, and, and you probably have some more detail on some of them with you. I mean, the obvious ones from, from the highest of levels is they collapsed in Arizona at the end of every single season that he was there. There were some good seasons, some middling seasons and some bad seasons, but the one thing that was consistent was bad Decembers for Kyler Murray and and bad Decembers for the Arizona Cardinals. And Frankly, that was very similar to the results he would have at Texas Tech. They would start hot uh, when he was in Lubbock and then things would go sideways by the end and that ultimately is why uh, his alma mater says thank you very much after what was it, five, six years of him being there. And, and I think some some of that has to do with the tempo and, you know, teams kind of figure it out. He's not able to make that second, third adjustment throughout the season. What are the reservations, the things that, you know, he needs to, to look at to ensure that uh, both that late season uh, decline doesn't happen and, and any other issues and reservations you may have with Kingsbury uh, coming here as the O.C.?
1: yeah so I think one of the things that sticks out about Cliff and that offense is again like i've been I was really impressed with that two thousand and twenty one film study. I was like man, this guy knows ball at a high level. You can tell he's more comfortable as a pass game coordinator like the the runs that he runs are somewhat limited. there's not a lot of diversity there um, and the protection scheme up front is, is a little bit simplistic and it makes me think back to some stuff that Scott Turner did, some stuff that EB did that, again, if you live too much in those worlds, and again, he wants to live in those worlds because he's very comfortable with them, but at some point people are going to be able to exploit them. I don't think there's a coincidence that the teams that are in the Super Bowl have very complex run schemes, very complex protection schemes, very good play-action systems, right, because it just gives defenses more stuff To have to deal with and have to negotiate, so that is my one reservation. Now, I think he's a bright guy. Like when you talk to people about him, he's a very bright guy, and he's a guy that understands football at the highest level. It's just about embracing this other element, saying, you know, like, and you can see that he's done. He's taken steps to get that done, but that's one thing where I'm like, I kind of wring my hands a little bit. Like, are you prolific enough in these areas to to make the offense complicated enough for long enough into the season? And we'll see. Well, we'll see what that looks like, but. Again, I think he's a guy that's shown a a willingness to change, a willingness to grow and a willingness to innovate. It's just about making sure that he continues to push himself in those kind of you know, that offensive line world of how do we make the protections work? How do we make the run scheme work at a high level? And again, you see that on film and it makes sense. He's an air raid guy, like he wants to throw the football, but to win games in the NFL, you need to be able to do both at a high level. So that that's my one reservation is is how has he grown? in his kind of time at USC, his year away from the NFL, how has he kind of changed his process? Because, you know, Dan talked about all his, his growth and self-analytics during his time in Dallas to get him back to his head coaching role. Hopefully, um, hopefully uh, um, he has done the same thing from a coordinator perspective and said, man, these are some areas where I've had a little bit of a blind spot. Hopefully I can improve.
0: Uh, Defensively, uh, we now know that Quinn will not call the plays. Um, We talked about it on the podcast last week after hearing KJ Wright talk about it. You kind of wish that he would, or I kind of wish that he would because he's so good at it. But uh, Joe Witt has been right there with him. Uh, Seems like a very capable lieutenant. Uh, We'll see if he can step up a level and and be that play caller. And he's obviously going to have a lot of of input from Dan on all of this. But I did uh, think it was interesting that Quinn identified that interior of the defensive line as a part of the, the roster that he really Really likes. Um, obviously, if Adam Peters is like, "Hey, dude, we got a great trade uh, offer for John Allen in two weeks from now," um, that could change. But John did say uh, at our event on Friday night, where he was a special guest, that he had a great discussion with Peters and he feels really good about it. So it does seem like he wants to stay. He's not going to demand a trade. Um, all, all that wind up to, to ask Logan, like when you look at the pieces here for the the defense that now we know Dan Quinn is going to run with Joe Witt. What are what are the things that you think fit? What are the things that you're excited about? What are the things where you're like they gotta they gotta do something else there because it doesn't fit schematically with what Dan wants to do?
1: Well, I'm just really honestly, I'm just ecstatic that they are gonna have guys a, a guy in Dan and Witt that understands how to maximize secondary play. I think that's really what I'm looking forward to because like when you watch Dallas, one of the things that sticks out is like a they understand that. Their coverage is tied to the rush. It allows them to be very aggressive. It'll be interesting to see if that changes during the time here because, you know, as, as of the, this moment, they don't have that elite edge rusher. They've got two guys inside that are very dynamic. But does that change their approach? Um, obviously, I think disguising coverages and then giving them rules and responsibilities for specific situations is something that I think I'm really looking forward to see. So I think, you know, we came out of last year saying, man, you know, we're not very good at the secondary here in Washington, but I really believe that with the right coaching and the right level of communication, you've got some pieces here that, you know, might not be the answer for, you know, five years here, but I think can play better um, this and in, in 2024 and 2025. So that's kind of my, my optimism here going into this. Is like, when you just look at that secondary play for Dallas, the way they disguise coverages, the way they communicate in the back end, the way they understand where their help is. I, I just think that group is going to get better. So I think all these pieces that people are kind of out on at the moment, I think people say, Oh, they're going to be there. You know, they might not be the the greatest secondary of all time, but I think they're at least passable next year. I think the defense is significantly better as a result. I
0: do too. I am fascinated to see what they do with Emmanuel Forbes because yeah, God, the play the playmakers that they've had in Dallas and the production they've gotten out of those guys. If they can, they can get. That out of Forbes with his ball skills and everything that he was supposed to be coming out. Uh, that could be one hell of a salvation project. Uh Logan Paulson, uh, you can catch his interview with Dan Quinn on Command Center on the Commander's YouTube page. Uh, and of course the Take Command podcast with me multiple times each and every week. Uh our next pod will be later this week. Uh I'll be out in Vegas. Uh Logan will be uh, in in his home where he normally records it. Uh, but that's that's okay. It'll still be a great podcast. And we're gonna we're gonna rely on Logan, even though I'll be the one on Logan. This week we will rely on Logan's travels last week, and we will recap what he saw down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. So very much looking forward to that. Uh, Thank you, sir, for your time here on the radio show today, and I will talk to you later, my
1: friend. Thanks, Craig. Look forward to it, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your show, bud.
0: Thank you. Uh, Logan Paulson, everybody, slash that was the take command podcast, kind of, uh, here on the Hoffman show. Uh, when we get back here on the team 980, streaming live on the free Odyssey app and of course on YouTube, final thoughts as we wrap up the final half hour, we take another call or two at 301-230-980. And we'll also relive some of the highlights of Dan Quinn and the hour long press conference that was today. It's the Hoffman. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Our final half hour before this radio show, or at least this radio host, heads to Las Vegas. Our big game coverage on the Team 980 presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit. Solostove.com. Again, Linnell will be in tomorrow, though, if you are a Six o'clock hour listener. Uh, you, you're gonna get uh, some basketball tomorrow. Uh, it's Maryland and Rutgers, I believe, is the, is the game tomorrow. Uh, Terps here on the team 980. It's a 630 tip off. So, uh, at this point you'll be hearing, in uh, game action, but pregame at six. Lanell in from four to six for me, as tomorrow is my travel day. And then Wednesday on Radio Row. Very excited for that. Um, there are so many takeaways from the 32 bites, uh, I believe Anthony said it was, uh, of this press conference today from Dan Quinn. I did think it was really funny. Um, he, in his opening statement, and Anthony, this is all leading to a tweet that I got that was great. Um, in his opening statement, he talked uh, about how he swears a lot, but he he promised himself only one cuss word, at least at that point in in the proceedings. And that one of his favorite sayings is, uh, he, there's nothing better than doing tough bleep with good people. And he looked to his left and he looked to his right at Josh Harrison and Adam Peters. And is like, these are good people. And, you know, they know that rebuilding this thing or recalibrating it in Quinn's word, uh, is going to be tough. And I, the swearing thing kind of got a nice chuckle out of everybody. Um, and, uh, we got, we got Scott Frank tweeted. He said, well, that might be, uh, cause I tweeted out that quote and I'm, I was just now going back, you know, four hours later through my Twitter replies. Um, But he said, well, that might be the most important revelation of the press conference that he likes to swear a lot. He goes, looks like we have a bleeping smart or super smart head coach. I used to work at a fairly conservative nonprofit and would cuss with impunity. And I was the head of PR. No one ever batted an eye. And he uh, attached an article that is titled swearing is actually a sign of more intelligence, not less say scientists.
2: Wow. Uh, I guess it's okay. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's going to make carrying his <laughs> press conferences live a doozy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll see if that's our problem at, at four o'clock. Like it was the, the, the Wednesday four o'clock Rivera presser. Maybe that's Matt Essex's problem, not yours to have to hit the dump button. Okay. Cause I will say if you cuss a lot on the radio, that is not a sign of intelligence. Cause they don't let us do that here. <laughs> so we're going to have to, we to have to figure out how, how all that go. If you will. Um, I think that, The, there is a couple things that I think were, were big takeaways for me. I love that quote. You know, I like doing tough bleep with, with good people. Um, I talked earlier about my affinity for the phrase, keep the main thing, the main thing. Um, that is a phrase that I have gone back to often in my life. And it is one that Dan Quinn certainly lives by. Um, I love that he has the ability to actually describe his plan. Uh, I want to be physical and explosive. Um, but I also thought there was some good stuff, um, and Anthony, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean on you here a little bit. I thought there was some good stuff from Josh Harris and I thought there was some good stuff from Adam Peters. Are there any good Adam Peters bites that, that really jumped out to you? Um, and, and I, I, think like one of them, he talked about speaking the same language. I think that was, that was a good one. If that's one you can find, uh, quickly on your gy- like right now, Anthony has in front of him, Uh, you can't see it on the camera, but I I just saw him move it by like, you know, the offensive coordinators that have like the, the cheesecake factory menu of a play sheet. I feel like that's what you have sound bites for this press conference. You have, you have an offense. We just need to laminate it for you.
2: Yeah. And it also doesn't help that I use a light green inked pen. Why did you do that? Uh, because when I had came into the studio, usually I have a pen in my bag. And mm-hmm. I'm scrambling. It's not in my bag. I didn't want to come in here and interrupt Essick, So mm-hmm. uh, I just found the, the the closest pen to me and, you know, I started. You know, you know what you could have used?
0: That. You know what you could have used? Of the computer. A computer to type it out because then you know what you could have done? Copied and pasted all those bytes into an email, uh, all the descriptions, and then then I would have them in front of me.
2: Yeah, but I didn't want to miss anything from the presser because i got an alert that it started at 225 i walked in around like 221 and what i didn't get to you know log into my stuff like somebody else was logged in so i'm using their like you know microsoft
0: we got microsoft office in that in that building
2: yeah i don't know i just i just didn't want to save stuff Mm -hmm. somewhere that i didn't want to you know have to go back to it
0: I I see. I see. So you didn't you couldn't pull up your
2: email cuz you were on
0: someone. I, I see what's happening here. Yeah. All right. Uh apropos of none of that. Uh Adam Peters on the connection that he had with Dan Quinn speaking the same language. Uh Anthony, is that is that a bite that we're able to pull up expeditiously? Uh off that cheesecake factory menu. He's looking for it. He's searching.
2: So I I have it. Give me 2 seconds not okay. 2 milliseconds either.
0: 1 1 Mississippi 2 Mississippi This is like the last time you know there's only two times you count Mississippi's in life. One when you're being a jerk like I am right now and two when you're playing flag football and you need to rush the passer. And right now Anthony is getting sacked. Nope. Not happening. All right, tell you what. Let's do this instead. We'll play you that bite from Adam Peters next. A quick look at what's trending. We'll come back with that bite because uh, that way Anthony can cue it up to exactly where we need it during commercial break. Uh, and then real things, real people said, in real microphones to end the show. It's the Hoffman Show wrapping up here on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And a huge, huge streaming audience today on YouTube as well at the Team 980, uh, much much appreciated everyone checking us out there. Uh we will be off the YouTube tomorrow. Uh basically when I don't do the show, there is no YouTube stream. So uh as much as you all would love to to see Linnell and, and Anthony uh yap at each other for two hours tomorrow. Uh if you're watching on YouTube, you're gonna have to wait uh and, and check us out. The radio show will still be happening. So if you're in DC, check us out. 980 a.m. 1067 HD2, and of course, nationwide. On the free Odyssey app... Uh, and then Wednesday, we're back on YouTube. We will be streaming live from Radio Row. So definitely make sure that you are checking us out however you normally do. Full three hours on Wednesday. Uh, our big game coverage on the Team 980 presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. And of course, uh, Westwood One's coverage of the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 58 is Sunday on the Team 980. All right. Uh, I promised you an Adam Peters bite uh, that now we have been able to queue up and find amidst the hour press conference on the collaboration that happens between he and uh, Dan Quinn and to an extent, Josh Harris. You know, there, there was this committee that was formed and then and then kind of what happens? Do you guys now just go to your silos or do you keep uh, you know, this this collaborative effort going and I and I thought this was a great answer by Adam Peters today. Yeah, we
1: that that's the exact environment that I wanna be in is being collabor- collaborative with the head coach through every decision that we make. And that's whether that's the draft free agency, we're gonna be talking all the time. We may have a door connecting our offices. If that if that's collaboration, right? Yes. So <laughs> But yeah, so every every decision we make we're gonna talk. We're not gonna make a decision without talking to each other. We're gonna come out of that room which whichever door we come out of with with the same, uh, same answer in mind.
0: I mean, that's (laughs) how much more Anthony, could you imagine if we had our separate prep studios, which we do just because of kind of how the space works and what we each need, but how much easier it would be if we had a door, I think we need to go to the boss and pitch this.
2: Um, okay.
0: No, you want, you don't, you don't want, you don't want the door. Anthony, what are you trying to tell me?
2: <laughs> I mean, it's not that I don't want the door, uh, but I, I like my little studio setup, You know, I like my high chair. Uh,
0: I'm, I know. I'm saying you yeah. could, you could have that, but what if instead of me being all the way down the hall, we just had a door oh, that, yeah, that whenever would, we needed something, we could just be
2: like, yeah, that would pop be very it. convenient for sure. Because then I wouldn't have it would to you be walking around all the way around the walk corner. Walk down the hall. I have to text yeah, you. I could just crack. I need this and that yeah. and do you have this and that and yeah. You know? Right. They're efficient. It'd be so much better. <laughs> See, this is this
0: is the kind of high-level thinking that this organization needs. What what do we need we need to collaborate. How are we going to do it? Doors. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Uh great stuff today. Uh again, if you want the whole presser, I mean, I'm sure the commanders have put it out on their socials, but like holler at your boys uh, if you just want to be able to listen to it. Rewind in the Odyssey app, 2.30. They were fairly prompted on time. Uh, You can go to the Chris Russell show, and he carried, I believe, the entire press conference live. So it is in the free Odyssey app if you would like to get it. All right, Anthony, you you said you have other things besides this hour-long press conference for real things, yeah?
2: Yes, sir.
0: Okay. uh, So we'll get to those in, in less than 60 seconds. I will tell you Right now, though, I'm going to pull up on this here iPad uh, the guest list for Super Bowl Sunday. uh, Or not for Super Bowl Sunday, for Super Week Radio Row. Just so people understand what we're dealing with here. um, We are starting the week with uh, my guy Robert Mays from The Athletic, host of The Athletic Football Show. He is literally going to be with me when I sit down on Wednesday on Radio Row. Um, so that is very exciting. Uh, also on Wednesday, uh, we will have Kevin Blackistone on set. I think there's, I think I just booked something else today um, as well. Oh, I know who it was. It was Michael Lombardi, uh, former NFL executive. So Michael Lombardi, uh, Kevin Blackistone, and Robert Mays already set for Wednesday. On Thursday, we have another friend of mine who is perfect to start the show uh, because not only is he doing is he broadcasting the Super Bowl on Nickelodeon's slime broadcast but he is also an NBA play-by-play guy and that is our good friend Noah Eagle so Noah is going to start the show with us on Thursday and the NBA stuff is relevant because that's the NBA trade deadline day Um, also Thursday another great friend of the show who is you know the phrase my Super Bowl Anthony has never been more applicable than to Nora Princiati this week. Nora has two things that she covers football and Taylor Swift. She has like podcasts and writes about both of them. She is a literal expert in both. So Nora when we do when we say not my beat and like we bring on an expert, Nora is at five o'clock on Thursday, and that is the epitome of that segment. We will never do better than five o'clock on Thursday this week with Nora on the Super Bowl.
2: Dang, should I play the uh, Noah Eagle call about, you know, Travis Kelsey finding a blank space in the end zone?
0: Well, that was Ian. That was his dad. Oh, Ian. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Ian, I don't think, is going to be able to join us. He doesn't get uh. to Vegas till Friday. Um, That's we are potentially cool, though. working Swoopy. on another Real Things guest um let's see who else on thursday potentially uh i think i think we're gonna have a, a former terp who turned into an nfl all pro on thursday so that could be sweet uh Caitlin collar who is uh, a writer for sports illustrated who's awesome is going to join us on friday um mj acosta ruiz from nfl network is on friday um and that's that's just like some of who is going to join us um so i'm pretty pumped phillips will be out there like you know some of our friends that are more local will join me on set so it's gonna be a fun one uh and there is also a chance that clinton yates is gonna do uh never read the comments with us on wednesday it depends on whether he makes the trip that is clinton's call um but if he's there he has agreed to do it so that'll be fun uh as for right now it is time for real things Real things.
2: We're not going to f- this year. Real people. 5 and 11, not very good. Set into real microphones. You know, the culture is actually
0: damn good. <laughs> All
2: right, what do we got, Ant? All right, so we got Eli Manning at the Pro Bowl this weekend. And oh. man, this was hilarious.
1: Oh, Are you ready? Are you ready? Go ahead, Ephesians. I'm Eli Manning. I'm nice. Tom Brady's the GOAT. Sight, I beat him twice. <laughs> <laughs> Hold, me Hold me back. Hold
2: me back. Hold me back. Oh, my goodness. That was hilarious. Yo, back.
0: Eli is hilarious. I don't know. I think both Manning both Manning boys like I don't think people realize how funny they were because Uh they didn't really show that they were just like buttoned up professionals and all of a sudden like they got unleashed and it's like oh these guys are hilarious like Peyton showed it on SNL and stuff but Eli everyone thought Eli was just this dope
2: and he's (laughs) not he's actually very funny yeah nah he's he's he spit some super high fire there I that was oh that was good
0: um all right, you got anything
2: else? What uh, else? We got? we got one more. We got Josh Hart. He uh he admitted that he fouled LeBron but in a very like funny and awkward way. Oh yeah, Josh Hart mic up. Oh, that was LeBron.
1: There's saying, no way I'm you like, can see that I, I have, unless just, you have X-ray vision. Just, now I'm gonna sit here and say I pushed him. Another a great call. <laughs> Thank you. But I'm just saying you couldn't see that.
2: <laughs> you heard the ref. Thank
1: you. <laughs>
0: That's hilarious. Um, you know that commercial that, that was like, oh, it was out on me? that, yeah. that everyone that's th- There's people tweeting that that gave that vibes.
2: <laughs> no, because the foul was already called. The
0: foul yeah, was already no, called.
2: I, I agree. I think that's – I mean,
0: I had to watch it like three times to see the foul. Yeah. And, you know, for as bad as NBA refs and NFL refs can be, they can also be incredible. We're just yeah. like, how did you see that? Thank you. What can you do? (laughs) Thank you. All right, that is our show. Again, tomorrow, Linnell Inn. I'll see you guys Wednesday from Radio Row in Las Vegas. It's the Hoffman
1: Show on the Team 980.